0: Two best friends who love to chat. Oh, what it's like to be an ant. Those who ant.
1: Those who ant. Hello. Thank you for listening to Those Who Ant, the podcast that helps you see the world through ant-colored glasses. I am Auntie Mags.
0: My name is Aunt Pat.
1: <laughs> and uh, Pat, it's so good to see you. Uh, what's going on? What's What's new with you this week?
0: Well, I started doing yoga. What? Yeah.
1: Explain yeah. where, where are you doing it?
0: I found some lunatic who, I mean, you know, everyone who does yoga, you know how a lot of them seem touched. She just seems like that. And um, so she does a thing that I, uh, you know, Carolyn told me it's 30 days of yoga to start the year and um, I'm doing it.
1: Is that something that Carolyn told you that you had to do or is it something that you willingly decided to do because you wanted to do it?
0: She um, told me I should do it because um, I told her I can hear a lot of my body making the sounds like um, this, you know, the cracks and the pops. And, yeah. and she said that I she said that I should do it. Um, so I am.
1: OK, I watched a video once about um, a guy who was a paratrooper and a professional wrestler helped him with yoga be uh, able to run again. Did you ever see that video? It was with uh, DDP, Diamond Dell's page.
0: Oh, no, I didn't. I, I haven't seen that. Send it to me. Send it to oh. me on. Oh. I, d- I don't know how to. Don't do it to my phone because I can't get anything off there.
1: You're still not getting your emails off your phone, right?
0: No. Whatever gets sent to my phone goes directly into the grave that is my phone. And you know what? I'm not going to get another one. I'm going to. Uh, no, I will. Okay. I can't right. not have one, right? Yeah. You know what I don't understand about yoga? The woman who's leading us on this journey, she calls it, Yeah. Uh, she says the word yummy a lot, which I don't understand.
1: I fully believe there should be a moratorium on full-grown adults saying the word yummy.
0: She'll say, take a big yummy breath in. And I'm so distracted. I think, what the hell does that mean, Even.
1: Are you doing this like over the TV or are you doing this in person?
0: It's coming out of my, uh, it's coming out of my TV okay okay jeremy walked me through getting youtube on my tv and then this woman's on youtube but then you know you let that youtube play yesterday i did the yoga and then hours later i was in some kind of class where they teach you to put an egg in your vagina
1: what on youtube
0: yeah yeah try it i didn't have an Egg. Well, I had eggs, but they said, don't use the ones that you, ha- you have to get a different kind, a hard egg, a, like a, a, an egg made of rock, a crystal a crystal egg.
1: Oh, so you couldn't use like a chicken egg that you hard boiled?
0: I guess not, because I did, I did hunt them down and I did send an email, said, I do have eggs. And they said, please don't. You
1: emailed? You emailed? Who'd you email?
0: Jeremy first to see how I emailed the woman in the video.
1: No, you can't do that because does Jeremy still think you're a ne- necrophiliac accidentally?
0: Yeah, but now- or did your sister retract it? Well, she said she tried to, but the kids have just run, run off with it. And you know what? It gives them joy and them being happy makes me happy.
1: No, Pat, I cannot allow this. You can't continue to let your niece and nephew think that you're a necrophiliac because it brings them joy. That's not acceptable.
0: Well, I'll try to think of something else that can replace that for them because they're just having so much fun- Honestly, and you know, I, I I feel embarrassed and then they're laughing and then I get sucked in. Oh, now I'm laughing, you know? So, and is it the worst thing in the world? You know, yes. if if everyone believes that, now hear me out. If everyone believes that when you're dead, your body goes to heaven, if you were a good person and you're out, who cares? Uh, abuse it, abuse me. That's what I'll say. Cause I'll be long gone. No,
1: we have had this talk before. Remember? We have had Vaguely. this talk on this Vaguely. podcast.
0: Well, it's coming back. It. It's coming back now, yeah.
1: Because I said, what if it's some scumbag who found you? You don't want them to do that to your body. It's I don't the- know. I like I like it. a bad boy. I like a bad boy. No. No. You need to tell your niece and nephew that your sister got the word the word wrong, that necrophiliac and insomniac are two different things. You gotta it's she's gotta print a retraction. That's unacceptable.
0: I mean I can try, but you know, she's stubborn as a, a mule.
1: No, that's like you know. To me, somebody who mistakes the difference between stigma and stigmata, you know, it's like those two are very, very different. Insomniac, necrophiliac, very different.
0: Now remind me, stigma and stigmata, what's the main difference there?
1: Well, stigmata is the one where you're so much like Jesus that your palms bleed and then your side bleeds where the spear went in and then you have like little droplets of blood on where the crown of thorns was. That's stigmata. Okay. And stigma is like a, like a negative connotation, you know, that just kind of sticks with you.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. So you could, they could you, someone could have a stigma about your stigmata, right? They could. Like yeah. if you had stigmata, there might also be a stigma that you have, yeah. Yeah, right? For sure. For sure. I wonder if that's where that comes from. Wouldn't that be nice to know? It would
1: be. You know who might know? Our guest. Can I say how starstruck I am to have our guest with us today? Because... Uh, We'll get into it, of course, his history and legendary performances. Um, So please, ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies, however you identify, welcome to the show, Uncle Dale Van Dorp. Dale.
2: Oh, Aunt. Pat, Mags, thank you so much for having me. First, I must apologize for all the noise that I'm picking up. There was a small electrical fire in my neighborhood, so there's a lot of repair going on. So if you hear noises, that's what it
1: is. I just assumed you were doing some sort of research.
2: Oh, I wish. I wish it was that easy, but no. Teenagers were messing with an electrical box and a small fire ensued.
0: Oh. You know, these teens, they do need things to do. And I say if they want to have Mm -hmm. sex, that's fine, because it's less than setting electrical fires, which I don't even know how you start. You're messing with a box all of a sudden. Now, Dale, just real Mm -hmm. quickly, as a a creative type and as an actor, I mean, um, have you ever gotten into yoga to do that? Do Do a lot of actors do that kind of stuff?
2: I don't. I have a healthy calcium deposit underneath my kneecap, so bending down and laying for long periods of time, I'm really rendered um, not able to do that. Although I would like it. My wife and I are, are looking into buying a Peloton.
0: Now, what is that again?
2: Oh, Aunt Pat, you're going to love it. It's an exercise bike where it comes with a little television set on the bike where a man or woman will guide you through an intensive one-hour cardio-aerobic exercise that takes place all on the bike, and you do it all in your home.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say cardio-erotic,
0: and I was into it for a second.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, I think one thing leads to another.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. You know, I have an exercise bike. hmm You know, right now it's holding up um, close, and, um, I suppose I could do that, right? So this is a specific one of those exercise bikes. Oh, it's
2: very specific. You have to buy the Peloton product. You can't just hook up any random TV to your exercise bike that's covered in clothes and just pretend like it's a Peloton because you need to buy the programs and the workshops. And it's all, it's all inclusive. It's all, it's all a very, very good deal.
1: You know, what would be fun is, you know, cause that's expensive. Those bikes, I looked mm-hmm. it up. I go for you. If you can afford it, that's amazing. Good for We're you. We're getting there. Uh, and, uh, and, uh. But Pap, what I could do is I could just come there and p- just pour water all over myself, make myself look real sweaty and then yell things at you like, um, you know, the strength is in you the whole time. You go, girlfriend. Dig deep. You know, I'll say stuff like that to you or right away from your regrets, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that.
0: I'll and say that's
2: you. what's going to get you through.
0: I think I'd like. I think I think that that what. Well, I'd love it if you come over and do that from a safe distance. But also, I've I've heard recently about nagging, and I think that also works on me.
2: The act, of the act of just berating somebody to get them to do the thing you want.
0: Yeah, to like um, make them question their own value mm-hmm. in society, and mm-hmm. oh, why are you wearing that? Why are you doing that? I realize that's worked on me my whole life, so. Probably exercise, it would work, too.
1: Yeah, I feel like, though Ron quoted you before the whole um, the game, remember that thing, the game?
0: Uh,
1: oh, the uh, book. He, yeah, the book. The book. Though
0: he they turned it into a movie, one. though, right? With Sean, uh, Sean Penn? Which movie is it when
1: the person uh, says, um, who's the man now, dog? That's Captain...
0: Ron? Captain- Yeah. Oh, and here we are. We're back. You know,
2: Sean Penn received a lot of flack for I Am Sam, but I think he did a great job in that movie.
1: Now, you are the person who would know... most of that I mean you know well let's tell everybody how we met first and then let's double back so let's put a pin in this okay and then let's double back
2: so I was in a production of Winnie the Pooh at the George Popovich Community College Theater I was on record as being the oldest Christopher Robin they had ever had in a production of that show and you two you came to the show and we offered a and a afterwards and the three of us met and we chatted long into the evening about theater and about the hundred acre wood and just all things creative and we just Really hit it off.
1: First of all, there's a special part of me that responds to a post show Q and A as if it were Christmas. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm really my most truest self at a post show Q and A because that's when you got to really get the courage up to ask you question. That is, uh, you know, if I may quote. Brene Brown, that's getting back into the arena when you're at a post-show Q and
2: I, absolutely. I like to think of it in terms of arena speeches. As Teddy Roosevelt's the man in the arena, because you can be in a show, and whether you like it or not, that hour and a half is going to go by, come hell or high water. But the real test, the real your 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 medal is put to the test at the post-show Q and A. That's where you find out what kind of actor you are. That's where you find out what you're really made of.
1: Yes. And also, just so you know, that Man in the Arena thing, that's where Brené Brown took inspiration from. Oh, I should have read it. Yeah. Oh, God, there's still time. Treat yourself. Well, you're probably memorizing lines all the time. Well, not as much as I'd like.
0: (laughs) I would like to say that, uh, um, you know, I've I've been open with you about this, uh, Dale. And, uh, you know, the show was fine, actually Thank but you. the q and a i do agree that's where i think you 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 guys really shine because oh. you have to field all these questions from you know it was us but then there was a bunch of assholes there too you know trying to get your goat and i thought you all did so wonderfully uh and and and, and i've i've looked you know since then i've tried to find other just q and a's where i didn't have to pay to see the show that you could just come in at the end <sighs>
2: You know that's the problem with post-show Q and As is that you're always going to run into some assholes. You're always going to run into people saying like, "Hey, you're almost sixty, and that girl playing Piglet's only twenty three. What's up?" You know, you're going to find those things. You're going those people are going to find you out. They're going to troll you at live theater productions. And as I said, that's where you find out what kind of an actor you are, what 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 your what your what your resolve is made of. You know?
1: Yeah, and also, how ageist could you be? Oh. And it's not like there's a love story between Christopher Robin and Piglet.
2: No. A lot it's... of dance numbers. A lot of dance numbers in this one. But no love story. And I'm not, I'm not gross. Oh, was there not? No. I, there was no love story between Christopher Robin and Piglet in this one. I've heard tell of such tales of such shows, but certainly not in this one.
0: Oh. Okay. I thought that there was. And I thought it was okay because, you know, pigs age like dogs. Do they Really? pretty sure
1: i like that let's never
0: look it up i want to think that
2: well if that's true then this piglet was well over 140 years old so <laughs> really i'm the one who should feel like i was taken advantage of as a man looking into his 60s by a 140 year old what i can only assume to be some kind of witch
1: yeah you gotta be if you're that old yeah a lot of those were a lot numbers. of
2: very up-tempo numbers yes Yes, time signatures changing back and forth. Hardly time to remember your lines, let alone the dance numbers.
0: When you said that you weren't paid to do this, Mm -hmm. you could have pushed me over with a feather. None of you paid. All just doing this on your own. I mean, can you talk a little bit about what makes you keep going?
2: Well, I'll I'll tell you what it's not. It, it it's not the money. We didn't make one red cent for this, and we did a nineteen week run of this thing, Thursday through Sunday, eight shows a week, and we did it for the love of the game. You know, Hold you, on. You, you yeah.
1: Thursday through Sunday, mm-hmm. eight shows a week. Correct. So you're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you're doing two. You're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're doing two shows a day of well, these up tempo numbers.
2: On Thursday, one show. On Friday, no show. We skipped it. But instead of just saying we do Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, we just say Thursday through Sunday. So there's no show Friday. We're dark Friday. Saturday, we do three shows. And then on Sunday, it's four.
0: How dark is it on Friday?
2: No power. They don't even turn the ghost light on.
0: Now, let me ask you this. A lot
1: of people in the reviews Mm -hmm. said your Christopher Robin was grittier than most people expected. Sure. You know, because I think, you know, even just when you hear the, you know, way deep in the hundred acre wood, where mm-hmm. Christopher Robin plays. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like such a sweet little, you know, he's normally a sweet little boy. And so for you to be wearing those short shorts.
2: Very short.
1: And to be just kind of a gritty... Explain that process. How would you? Well, get that I, I think in
2: rehearsals, what I wanted to get through with the character was that I need to sit a lot throughout the show. The show is two and a half hours and you know the magic of theater you have to suspend your disbelief i'm supposed to be playing an adolescent boy but as a 60 year old man i have to find ways to make that work so i was like let's put a bunch of stumps in the ground and then that way when i'm talking to Pooh or, or dancing with these incredibly intricate time signature different dance moves with piglet i can sit catch my breath, get readapted to what's going on, figure out where I am, check in, what are my lines, who's supposed to be where,
1: those kinds of things. So the show itself was two and a half hours. It was a Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 minute intermission. What time was your first show on Sunday?
2: 5.30 in the morning, Mag. So I had to be at the, our call show, curtains at 5.30. So you have to be there at least 45 minutes beforehand. Now, equity rules- We're not an equity theater, but I stick by those rules because we're a community college and we don't have, we're not equity. So I stick by those rules. So I would show up anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half before. So four in the morning, 3.30, I'm at the theater getting ready.
1: And then what time are you done at night? 4 a.m. So Monday morning, by Monday morning, you're just done.
2: I'm toast. But then you have
0: to go to work, right?
2: Correct. So the animal control uh, department does not accept... Lateness and tardiness. So Monday morning rolls around, I have to suit up and I'm in my van and I'm out working animal control.
1: Now, did you find that working in animal control prepared you to go deep into the hundred acre wood and and interact with all those animals? Well,
2: admittedly, I was looking forward to a respite from wild animals, dangerous animals, animals that we would sometimes have to put down in the field. So I was looking forward to just being around animals that were, you know, excited to see you and that wanted to embrace you as opposed to just the horrors that come with being in animal control. So, yes, I guess in a way it did prepare me. It prepared me for what could go wrong.
1: There's a difference between, like, you know, a chubby, pantsless bear that says, Oh, bother, Mm -hmm. and, you know, a rabid mongoose or whatever, or a raccoon. Sure, I don't know what to deal with.
2: Yeah, raccoons, mongoose, dogs. And you know, Mags and Pat. Most of most of the time, it's not just the animal. You know, you're dealing with families that have called you. So there could be children screaming on the porch. Why is our dog behaving like this? You know, parents like shoot it. And you know, we just we have to navigate each one with the with a sense of delicacy.
0: How many pets have you had to destroy? I, I should say animals. You said killing them out in the field. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I didn't know that was a a part of it even.
2: Well, it's a it's an industry term. We. Killing them killing them out in the field.
1: Like the way an FBI agent is in the field?
2: Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yes, the okay. field in the neighborhoods that we patrol in people's backyards. So, yes, killing them out in the field. We have a little tack board up at the office, and, you know, we check every time somebody does it. So uh, your question was, how many have I killed in the field? Let's see. I think uh, she
1: said destroyed.
2: Destroyed? Destroyed in the field. That's a better way of putting it. Uh, You know, sometimes I forget because I'm too close to it that I that there are terms that people aren't used to. So I would say in any given month, we can destroy anywhere from 25 to 176 animals.
0: Well, you can. But did you? I mean, what do you mean? You have a capacity? Is that just how many you're allowed to by some kind of law? Oh, the law
2: doesn't prohibit us from any number of animals to destroy in the field. The, the law is, it's pretty much the Wild West out there. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's really no laws for animal control that are on the books. It's more of a gentleman's agreement.
1: So like you start your day with a handshake? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: Yep. Wow. We look, yep, have a good day. Have a good day, Larry. Have a good day, Dale, you know, and let's hope we make it home.
1: What's the most harrowing situation you've, uh, you've been involved in?
2: Uh, and the elementary school in town uh, hired a local zoo to bring in some animals to show the kids for their biology class. And mm-hmm. who, I, I think if I want anybody to to come away from this, and I love acting, I think it's there's nothing more important than I think acting. But the second most important thing is really vet your zoos. If you're a school... And you're going to hire a zoo to bring in animals, really vet it, make sure they're on the level, you know, because herd mentality, when they go nuts, where one go, where where they, they all go nuts.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I almost legitimately just said a QAnon phrase and I'm sorry.
1: What was the Q? Cause Pat has done some, I was
0: recently in Q. And
2: then... Well, the one goes all thing, but for me, that pertains to animals going nuts.
0: Oh, okay. I think for them it meant, um, uh, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. And I asked yeah, a question and then I got bounced right out of there. So
1: we're trying to, we, we were like um, doing the opposite of indoctrinating. We're undoctrinating undoctr- uh, from Q. Yeah. She got mixed up. You know, sometimes she gets, she just looks, she's longing for a community. And, you know.
0: Have you thought about community theater? Now that's something I want to talk about because, You know, I did ask about the money because I'm shocked, but Mm -hmm. what would it mean, how how would I kind of get involved? And maybe you can kind of, uh, Dale, speak to, for for those listening who might want to get involved, how did you start doing acting your craft? Well... You know,
2: it started a long time ago. I was just bored with animal control and I was looking for something else to do. So I signed up for some classes at the community college and I signed up for some theater classes. And part of the program is they make you be in the shows, whether you want to or not, whether you have stage fright or if you can't act a lick or 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 if you have some sort of disability, they make you do it. So that's they made me do it. I had to be in a six-hour-long production of Ibsen's Pierre Ghent. I played one of the trolls in that, and my part didn't come up until the second act, which was very long into the show. But the minute I hit that stage, I knew. I was like, this is where I want to be. So you could sign up for some classes where they'll force you to be in the show, or we have auditions.
1: Oh, so that one is like you want to do it, you show up. You do the thing they ask you to do. You can come in with a monologue.
2: Oh, monologue, a song, a scene, a performance piece. Really anything. There's really, it's not really strict guidelines at community college theater. You can pretty much just do whatever you want.
1: Do they let you go in two at a time? Because Pat and I, we've always wanted to do the 227 theme song opener. Watch this. I, well there ain't no place like i Believe that There ain't no place like Better Believe. That. Ain't
0: no place like there ain't no place. No place like, like oh, 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 oh oh I mean no place, child. Uh,
2: wow. Now I don't take this as gospel, but I think you two have a very excellent chance of being cast in the upcoming season of the George Popovich Community College Theater.
0: That would be, I'm I, I I'm nervous thinking about it. First of all, and I, I think I'd also want to know what I'm auditioning for because what you said the show that you did was called a bunch of letters put together. That what was the the name of the show that you did that was so long?
2: Pierre Gint. Who's that? I don't know. I never learned who it was. I I didn't. I was more focused on my role as one of the trolls. So I really threw myself into it. I stayed long hours after the workshop, you know, after the the, the, the shop in the theater. And I, I built my mask and I found some old overalls that I could, you know, really tarnish up. So I really got into that. But I feel like I really hit my stride with Christopher Robin.
1: You did. I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you. We are both here to tell you. You did. You know, there's something so transformative about the work you did because I didn't oh, see you, you in whatever that other one was in whatever language you said but I did see you as Christopher Robin. And then again thank I you. saw you in Death of a Salesman. We both did. Um mm-hmm. and I just I Is don't there a know sequel?
0: Much. I don't understand because when does is there like a second part? Did we leave early? Because I didn't see that person die. Did I? No,
1: you don't see it. You don't Ugh.
0: I mean, more I, I wish that. there were more comment cards in the lobby. That's a, if I could leave a comment card to get comment cards just because, you know, I'm waiting, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think that's the same as I saw that show Fun Home, you know, and when you see Fun Home, um, you, you kind of expect to see it there, too. and You mm-hmm. don't. I'm glad you don't. But the thing about it is there's such a I mean, who could go? From playing Christopher Robin to Willie Lohman from one season to the next, who's got the range?
2: You! I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think there's probably not a lot of 60-year-old men in my town who could do that.
0: And you got to wear the same
2: shorts. I did. I did. I loved those shorts. So I once, I once we were gearing up for Death of a Salesman, I said, let's have a bunch of chairs so I can sit down because Willie Loman's going to be winded and he's going to need a minute to get caught back up and figure out where he is in the show. And also let's get these shorts back. Let's do it because we've... Seen enough suits and pants, let's get to shorts.
1: You know what was something funny is that, I don't know if you even know this, because we were there, we made the mistake of going to see Death of a Salesman during a student performance. Um, So there were a bunch of uh, middle school to high school students in the audience with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we made the mistake of doing that. And you remember that line where Linda is telling Willie, you, you, where Linda's saying to you, you know, Biff, Biff wants to celebrate. Biff says he's going to blow you to a big meal. Um, and the kids in the audience really started laughing hot at mm-hmm. that. And then w- I, we were sitting just in, amongst them. And so with the two of us both were like, what do you think they're laughing? At? So we turned and we said, why are you laughing? And then he said, because he said, blow him to a big meal. Mm-hmm. And they thought that it was like fillet.
2: Uh, Once you lose a crowd of teenagers, there's really no coming back from that.
1: They were rowdy after that.
2: Anything that they can, that their mind goes to about, you know, jerking off or, you know, blowing each other, they're going to just, they're going to, they're just going to laugh and it's going to ruin any momentum that you have in the show. It's just such a distraction.
1: You as Christopher Robin, that show is all momentum. It's almost all adrenaline. I I thank I thank the theater
2: gods that there is no references to blows or you know thank God there isn't an old timey line like Winnie the Pooh go up for that honey give it a hand job you know because we just lose lose the kids because it's mostly kids that come to see Winnie the Pooh.
1: Did you feel like you had to I don't want to say dumb it down mm-hmm. uh, t- to play Christopher Robin? Did you feel like? you know, you had to play a child or... You, as a 60-year-old man. It was very gritty. It was very gritty. It was very gritty.
2: Oh, well, it's difficult, right, as a 60-year-old man to tap into what it was once to be a kid. So, yeah, you could say I played him a little stupider than I would have played other characters. Maybe he's a little slow on the uptake and... You know, maybe he needs to sit down a lot and think about some of these things while he catches his breath.
0: Yeah, you played it in a way that I thought maybe the rest of the animals and everything were. um, uh, What do you call it when you have uh, you're having hallucinations because you like you took mushrooms or something? I thought this is someone in the throes of addiction who's uh, seeing things. I have a
2: review from the News Herald that said, seeing Dale Van Dorp play a child in a hundred acre wood with a bunch of animals feels like an alcoholic's fever dream. So I I understand where you're coming from. You're not going to please everybody.
0: I loved it. If if he meant, if that person who wrote that meant that as a slight or a criticism, I have to say, I, I... I I see it the opposite way. I thought, oh, because I didn't know we went we really went for the Q&A and it was a kid's show. But the way you played it felt dangerous. And I was very worried. I guess when I say a romance with you and Piglet, I meant I was worried for her.
2: Well, sure. She's small and I'm I'm very large. I could have tossed her off stage or I could have fallen on her. What if my knee gave out again? And I collapsed, you know, and uh, so, yes, it is dangerous. It's very dangerous, not just for me, but for the people around me and the audience members that I'm around. It's, it's dangerous to have me on stage.
1: Is that why you guys put up those guardrails on stage?
2: It absolutely is. And a lot of people said what is this there's like a barrier between us and and the and the show and again it's all part of the theme right how big is the hundred acre wood it's got to be fenced off you know there's got to be privacy signs right so this is the part of the hundred acre wood that's fenced off from the public that i could lean against if i needed to
1: yeah just because it's a hundred acre wood doesn't mean you have access to all those acres
2: yeah that's no, not it's,
0: necessarily acreage for the people
2: it's it's, it's private land
0: dale mm-hmm. um As we've established, you have what I believe they call range. And knowing that, um, what is a a character, dead or alive? I don't know if that makes sense. A character from a play or a film or even a television show that you think, oh, I'd love a crack at that. Well,
2: there is rumor of a local traveling version of In the Heights that I would like to get my hands on. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And I've been working on the music. I've been working on the script. I don't want to share it because I don't want to blow the audition, but I'm very feeling very good about in the Heights feel very, very good about that. Uh, television, boy, you know, there's so many great characters on television at Pat, uh, Ross Geller comes to mind. I think would be fun to play. Um, I think anybody from the show suits would be fun to play. Burn Notice is another great show. I'd love to play the Bruce Campbell character on Burn Notice. I think that would be great. The Hawaiian shirts and just really in the know, the mystery of that character. Mm, sounds very, just, mm, it's a meal for an actor.
1: Which character from In the Heights?
2: Ooh, well, I really, you know, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, I really have a lot of, uh, I have my eye on quite a few of them. Uh, the one I think Lin-Manuel Miranda played,
1: yeah, he's got a name in that that I I can't pronounce, but I want to see it. That movie's coming out real soon.
2: It is coming out real soon, and I'm so mad because I feel like it's going to take away from the from the from the draw that it would bring to the theater. Like what cats did to the theater.
0: Now, I miss this one. What is this one about? In the Heights? Yeah, I I guess it takes I know where it takes place. I guess that's the giveaway, but I don't know what happens there. I, it's a lot. It's a
2: it's a bunch of people in the heights and they're saying we're going to solve our problems through dance and song. And then they take to the streets and it's just a, it's a romp. It's a rip roaring good time.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things where culturally is that are you allowed?
0: Ah, you
2: mean the fact that I'm not Puerto Rican? Yes. Uh, that's a great question. I I don't know. I think an actor should be free to try to portray any role they want. So I would like to say that it wouldn't be an issue in the audition. But uh, now that you now that you say that, I'm I maybe I shouldn't.
0: Maybe you should do that 22 and me, because that way, you know, if you can do it, maybe every actor should get that. Because then you can go in, maybe you go and they say, please don't do this. It's Mm -hmm. not, you have everything else, please don't do this. But then you come in and you show them, a little bit I can.
2: And I'll slam that paper on the ground and I'll say, I absolutely can do this. The theater, the stage is every person's stage. And I'll say, read it, I'm .03% Puerto Rican.
1: Now, if you are going to play, because I feel like any other one you named you know, mm-hmm. Suits, Burn Notice, Roskella. Pretty much anything Those? on the USA Network sounds good to me. Did you ever see the show Silk Stockings? Oh, my
2: Lord. I love Silk Stockings. That show came out when I was in my 30s, and if the, the wife and I needed to get Randy, throw on the old Silk Stockings and have ourselves a tussle. Jag. Oh, Jag about military lawyers. That one's good.
1: Oh, uh, you know what you would be so good in? If there was a reboot, remember Evening Shade?
2: I loved Evening Shade. No one talks about it anymore. I what know. last time you saw an episode of Evening Shade? Bert Reynolds, Mary Lou Henner? What about an Empty yes. Nest?
1: <gasps> uh, talking about Empty Nest. Yes, because Christy McNichol and Dinah Manoff, we want to put them in something that we're working on, um, Pat and I. Oh. We, 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 you know, Marshall Warfield... Gene Smott, Maki Post, Susan St. James, and Jane Curtin. Uh, oh, who am I forgetting? Great. Crystal Crystal Bernard.
0: Crystal Bernard.
1: From Wings,
0: you know. Yeah. I like that that show was about a widower, and I think I remember that the show was like, let him be sad. Empty Nest? Yeah, Dr. Uh,
1: Harry Weston was a, was a widower, and he lived right next to the – it was a spinoff of Golden Girls. He lived right next to the girls.
0: And then he also had that neighbor – who was i don't know was attractive he was,
1: he was supposed to be very sexually charged
0: Mm-hmm. received i thought the sitcom wings
2: was about a widower
1: yeah joe right now, was it joe i thought it was
2: the steven webber character brian brian
1: i think brian never married and joe was a widower
2: I see see I got it confused because when I would look at the Brian character I would think there's an undertone of like his wife was brutally murdered and this is what he's doing now.
1: Oh, that's because Steven Weber is pure sexual energy. As well, oh, there's no denying it.
0: You're making me think that there should be a sitcom that has an element like that because it would marry some things that I like. I like light comedy. I also like true crime. So if someone's wife was brutally murdered and the star of the show they can't rule him out. But then he has to do all the other things. You know, he's got to run his food truck and he's got to raise these two kids that his wife left him with, who he may or may not have murdered.
1: Yeah, it could be that his wife didn't leave him. He he made her leave by death.
2: And there could be a whole arc about how was he having an affair and check the septic tank. Is she in there like that's three or
0: four episodes?
1: The answer is a yes and a yes to that. She's got to be in there.
0: And speaking of resentment, Dale, your wife, when you do all this stuff, is she proud of you?
2: Rhonda Van Dorp is the apple of my eye. Now, I don't know if you could describe it so much as pride or as just a general uh, overall statement Date as a result of the coma, but I think that she is very, very proud. Uh I, I do it for her. Every show I I, I when I take my bow, I say, Rhonda, this is for you.
1: What how does she
0: is she in like a back room?
2: Yes, she's in the Florida room.
0: In your house? I love those rooms. I they should keep making those because. When it's hot, you can sit in the, you're in the shade, you're in your own home. And when it's cold, you can kind of go in there with a blanket. I'm assuming she's in there with a blanket. She is. Well, And
2: that's why I brought up Peloton, because I think if we get a Peloton, we're going to put it in the Florida room, because that's something we can do together. She's having her physio, and I can get on the Peloton, and we can work out together.
1: What's a Florida room? Is it like a three, three seasons room?
2: I, some people call it that. We, you call it a patio, an enclosed patio? <gasps>
0: Patio enclosures. Oh. Ugh, I miss mm-hmm. them. Um, now, your wife has been in a coma. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for those people listening who have loved ones in comas, sure. uh, let's speak directly to them. How long has it been and how optimistic are we that she will, because I know in my heart she's going to come out of it. But tell us how you feel.
2: I feel the same way you do. Doctors, not so much, but I feel the exact same way that she's going to come out of this thing. So for those of you with loved ones in comas, I think it all goes back to just make sure that you do know how to ride a four-wheeler at a 4th of July barbecue on the lake. Now, my wife, Rhonda, and I, we love so adventure. So this isn't
1: post-coma advice. This is pre
2: This is pre-coma. It's it's really it's a spectrum of coma advice. So just make sure that that those four wheelers are are up to code and that your wife and or husband knows what they're doing when they get on it. Uh, Pre-coma, that's my pre-coma advice. Coma advice would be don't panic. That's only going to make it worse. Uh, you know, don't move her. God, no, don't, don't pick her up. Okay. So this
1: is, so this just to clarify, just to put a timestamp on this is not even necessarily post coma. This is during injury.
2: Yes, so the pre-coma is make sure the four-wheelers work. Coma is, you know, don't panic, don't move her, call 911, you know, don't parade her around screaming, help me, help me, help you know, don't do that. Right. And I would say post-coma, find the theater. That's what I would say, find the theater. You can work all of this out in the theater. I think if it wasn't for the theater, I'd, I don't know where I'd be. So if you can take one thing out of those three and apply it to your coma situation... I've done my job. So
1: if your loved one, God forbid, mm-hmm. and by the way, if you're listening to this and you think, you know, no, nobody's in a coma, I, I don't, why should I care, blah, blah, you can see yourself out of this podcast. Okay? I, I felt right the out. same
2: way. I'm here to tell you they can happen to anybody.
1: I believe it. And so, so then the piece of advice that you're going to really run with then is, is find the theater.
2: Find the theater. It's the only way to get it out because you're going to be mad for a long time.
1: That showed in your Christopher Robin.
2: Mm-hmm. Which part? I'm curious, Mags, which part did you like the most? Because, you know, I really, I wanted to do, I mentioned all the sitting and I mentioned the the choreographed dance numbers with Piglet, but I felt like there wasn't enough rage inside Christopher Robin,
1: so. Well, do you remember that scene where Pooh was stuck in the tree trunk because mm-hmm. he was oh. reaching for a pot of honey? Of course, of course. And you just screamed at him. You were screaming I... Oh. And the tears, the tears in your face. I was like, I remember Pat, I, t- I turned to Pat and I said, oh, there's something deeper happening here. Mm-hmm. Because it was, uh, what's that word where you're watching something and you're, n- and you're like, uh, transcendent. It was transcendent.
2: Ma- and Mags, thank you so much. I felt like that. I really had to fight for that. I had to fight for that scene to get in. <laughs> You know, because the director was like, what are you doing? Stop crying. Stop yelling. You know, this is a children's show. And I I, I fought for it. I said, look, this is probably the, the 50th time this has happened to this bear that this boy loves. And he would give anything to have the bear that he loves back in the state that it was before it went into the tree. So I just stood there screaming. And inside, I'm thinking, if you don't get out of this tree, what is it doing to me? You don't even care, do you? Fine, I'll just walk out into traffic if that's what you want. That's what I'll do. I'll just walk out into traffic, and then we'll see who's smart. So Remember, it was you a, said that.
1: You said that out loud during the show. Thank you for hearing it.
0: Do you ever worry that when Rhonda wakes up, she's going to make a beeline for another four-wheeler? Like that really made her happy, or she just wants to get back to being at peace in a coma? I would worry about that. If someone I loved woke up, no matter what accident, put them in a coma, I would just try to keep them away from that forever. Because I feel like their eyes would light up.
2: You know the thing about it is, is that they are super fun. You know they're they're really fun, and that's that's the struggle that I have with it because after the coma, I said parade around. Well, I paraded around while I was driving my four wheeler. So all the while thinking this can't be happening to me, not to my wife. My God, this is fun. You're going. It feels like you're flying. I I really hope we don't have to cross that bridge. But if we do, I'll 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 act. I'll act my way out of it. I'll tell her that the government has taken away your four wheelers.
0: Oh, that's on my, that's on that little, uh, group that I got started. And they said, they're coming yeah. for your four wheels. That, mm-hmm. that really stirred up some of them.
1: Yeah. Now let me ask you this, mm-hmm. Rhonda wakes up. God, God, God willing, Rhonda wakes up. What are the three things you say to like catch you back up?
2: Oh, three things I say. Well, it's, it's so good to see you. Uh, the reason I looked 15 years older is because it's been 15 years. That's, mm-hmm. that's first mm-hmm. off. I sit her down and I show her the DVD copy of my performance as Christopher Robin because we all got one as a, as a closing night gift. They all gave us DVDs of the show. So I got it. i will be like, this is, what your, this is what your baby's been up to for the past 15 years. So, so I show her that. And then I, I say, what do you think? And then I sit and I wait for a response. And then also, now, oh, I have to feed you at six o'clock.
1: I, and this isn't me judging what you did. You have to have your own things that you, know that you'll do when sure she wake, when 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 she wakes up i
2: like that attitude
1: now any part of you that would be like it's me dale the year is 2021 you've been in a coma for 15 years any part of you that would just kind of catch her up in that way
2: i mean if it came up organically in the scene i think i would tell her but you know, I, I don't want to force anything on it because that's the mark of a good actor is to not force anything onto your scene partner. And I don't want to do that to her. So if she's like, you know, what, what's what been going on the last couple of years, I, I can say things like, oh, you know, uh,
0: stuff. It's just like they say, don't say it. Do it. Don't don't. Don't don't say it. Show it, right? Don't. So you're going to take that advice and you're going to show her yep. by showing her your um, play and stuff.
1: Isn't there any part of you that thinks that she might be confused and thinking like, "What did I? Where am I? Am I?" I, I would person? assume
2: so. She's been in a coma for 15 years. I would imagine that her whole world perspective is about to shift, and you know, as her husband and as her partner, I. Don't I want to make that transition as easy as possible? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, slowly work our way into it.
1: Yeah, that's what, that's what I guess. You remember that movie Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore? Love the that one that movie. Pat made made you wonder why they weren't married in real life. Wouldn't you do maybe have a video like that on hand to be like, Hey, here's where you are. Here's what happened, and then show her, you know, Christopher Robin because if she wakes up and she's a little disoriented. And the first thing you do is say, here, watch this and tell me what you think. She's going to be so confused.
0: She's going to have to have a lot of patience too, because if I woke up in my own Florida room and I could feel my nails had grown a lot, I'd be like, before we watch this video, could you fill me in on just a couple of things real quickly?
2: What you're describing is an exercise to not only get to know my character, but to make her get to know who I've become in these last 15 years. So if I'm tracking with you here, show her the DVD of Christopher Robin, but also splice it up with DVD footage of my work in animal control.
1: Do you have? Do do you have?
2: Oh, everything is recorded. Everything.
1: Body cams?
2: Body cams, truck cams, car cams. cameras everywhere. Again, there's no regulation from the state when it comes to animal control.
1: So you just did all those cams yourself?
2: Uh, It's a passion. When you find something you love, you never work a day in your life. And I found two things, theater and animal control.
0: If you need to make a video like that, like uh, Meg said about, you know, this is what's been going on and you need someone to play Rhonda Mm -hmm. in the accident, I would do it.
1: (laughs) Don't you think that would confuse us? I'd not Pat, you'd be so good. I don't mean to say that you wouldn't be amazing.
0: Well I'd wear a wig and, and we'd use some of her clothes. You and do so have some of her features. Okay.
1: Oh my god, Pat, this is like a reenactment on Dateline.
0: Yeah, I would I've always wanted to be kind of in a reenactment because um it seems easy because those people are real people. So I could I could definitely reenact that. And as long as we showed maybe, you know how they do it with green screens or whatever, that I could be on a four-wheeler and then all of a sudden, you know, I could kind of jump off and was it a cliff that was she she just rolled over or did she fall very far? Oak tree. Okay. <gasps>
1: move the tree
2: oak tree it was it was an oak tree and you know my cousin still has those four wheelers and it's been quite the bone of contention between he and I for many years but he still has those so you know we get a we get a camera and we get some scripts going we could make this thing happen in a weekend
1: is there any part of you that would be afraid to get back into that? I mean back in the saddle
2: I I feel guilty but no because they are so fun they're they're it's just, it's so fun. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. And then I got mm. onto it, Mags, and I was just blown away. You feel like you're flying. You really do. You feel like you're flying.
1: Did, have you been on since?
2: Almost after every Sunday performance, I go out. At 4 a.m.? Yep, yep. I, I come home. By the time I get home from the theater, after I take off all my makeup and my costumes and all that, you know, I get home around 5.15, and I hop right on that four-wheeler, and I just just take off down the cul-de-sac and just through the streets, just, well, wind in my hair and just feeling alive. Wow. So I think the next thing I would have to do is to get rid of the four-wheeler that I bought after Rhonda wakes up.
1: So since she has been in this coma, you bought a four-wheeler.
2: That's why we can't afford the Peloton.
1: Oh, so what if you, why don't you just sit so much safer, just sell the four-wheeler and then do the Peloton?
2: It's the danger that attracts me to the role, I think, you know, it's discovering parts about myself that I didn't that I didn't know were there.
0: I understand that completely. Yeah, you know, I do a lot of um, I've done a lot of stupid things, and uh, but it's so exciting to do dumb things. You know, and
2: that's what makes a good actor recall life experiences.
0: Oh. Now, you are you are an outgoing, talented person, and, um, well, you're very welcome. It's simply true. And I will say, sometimes when I think about you, I think that maybe I'm worried, because Rhonda's so quiet, that maybe you'd like some company. And you know what? I have to tell you, I don't think it would hurt anybody at all if you went on a couple days while she was asleep.
2: Are you suggesting I step out of my marriage of my comatose four-wheeled wife?
0: Well, to be fair, she stepped out first mentally. She's mentally checked out. And that's how you can think about it. You know how sometimes people emotionally cheat? This is like wavelength cheating. And she started it. And I'm going to tell you, if I woke up and my partner said, it's been 15 years, I'd think, "Ugh, either you've turned into a serial killer or you've went on at least a couple dates.
2: (sighs) I must admit, Pat, that I, I have thought about this. Have you seen the Netflix show Away?
1: No,
0: it's about about?
2: Hillary Swank and she goes to space. It's the first crew to land on Mars. And the whole time I'm thinking she's married to Josh Charles. What are they going to do for three years? Not have sex? You know, so I, I must admit the thought has creeped into the back of my mind. I must, I must admit. So it's, it's something I'm willing to explore.
0: I I just want to say, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, pry or anything, but I just want to, I kind of want to like have this chat because give yourself permission to be happy, you know, she can't help where she is right now. You can't help that she's where she is right now, unless maybe you hadn't gone four wheeling or whatever. She'd learned to do it, whatever. We can't go back and change that. But I think, and by the way, can Hillary Swank just go to space? And I say that with love in my heart, I just feel like she's trying so hard and we're all like, Ugh. I
2: loved her a wage. million dollar, Baby.
1: Oh, I've not seen that one, but I, but isn't there some sort of coma in that movie?
2: Well, it's only a coma from the neck down. She's uh you know, she she breaks her neck and she's oh. paralyzed from the from the neck down. So, um, you know, in terms of coma, yes, it's a coma from the neck down.
1: Oh, I never saw that. I you didn't I thought it was I, like an uplifting boxing movie.
2: It is until a point. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's <sighs> a turn, and it's you'll you'll know when it happens.
0: I've never seen that one.
2: You've ever seen Million Dollar Baby?
0: No, because you said. Again, I, I yeah I haven't seen it. It doesn't tick any of my boxes. So you're saying it's Hillary Swank and boxing? Well, how'd you pronounce that? Huh? How'd you pronounce that name? Swank. Hillary Swank. Hillary oh, Swank.
1: That's what you said.
0: Is That's that it? not it.
2: It's a tricky name to say. You know these Hollywood types and their tricky names. It's a tricky name to
1: say. You no, know, it's a tricky name to say right now. Ami Hammer. Have you guys been reading about him? No, I
2: he his name is two nouns, and I don't I don't like it. What what's been going
0: on?
1: Oh, I think he's a cannibal? Did you guys read any of that?
0: I, did, I liked him in that Wild West movie. I was just gonna say, you know what I did think would have made the social
2: network better? Cannibalism. I'm watching the whole time, watching him play two people. I'm like, if you just eat this guy, none of this will be a problem.
1: You know, the irony there is that You know, social media kind of did turn into a version of cannibalism where we just eat our own to death. But this guy... He's a stone-cold freak. And not to kink shame. But this is a very sex-positive podcast.
2: But what? Well, this could be a good uh, actor's tool. Let's explore this. Is cannibalism
1: a kink? Well, the way he said it, yes.
2: The way he said it, he's surmising that this is a kink. I'm going to eat this other person. I did read a story about a guy in Germany who put the word out, come to my house, I'll I'll eat you, and you can watch me do it, and you're free to leave at any time.
1: What? Ended up happening there.
2: Uh, I think one guy lost his balls and that was about it.
1: If I'm sorry, if the thing is you can leave anytime, but this guy let his whole balls be eaten.
2: I think he let his whole balls be eaten because I think, you know, there's so many things in the world that sound appealing at the time, like four wheeling that, you know, in hindsight, you wish God, I wish I hadn't done that.
0: It's like the Donna party. You know, the Donna party was like, I want to move. You know, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, I don't know. I wouldn't right now. I'd wait. I'd wait just a little bit longer. Let some other people go first. Let them send word back. Hey, we got here. Everything's fine. Everyone's accounted for. But these people were like, I got to move immediately. You know, wait
2: for summer.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I don't like to take trips in the winter. You know, you hear those stories, a car goes off a thing because they were in the woods with their kid because they were going to and fro. And then they said, well, the car was stuck, was stuck in the car and it's buried. And then the father has to go out and he has to try to get to the thing. And then they come back and the mother and the child are like Titanic in the car, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's it. And that's it. So I wouldn't go, I wouldn't take a, I wouldn't take a Nissan Sentra. Uh, sixty miles if it's snowing. That
1: kind of thing
2: doesn't happen in the summer.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: So yes, in a lot of ways, it is like the Donner Party.
1: Acting. I'm sorry. Where Where are we?
2: Oh well, acting's like everybody you've ever met because everybody has a story to tell and you can tell it on the stage. So it's all fair play. Everybody's everybody has something you can draw from.
1: Yeah, but just isn't it one of those things where it's like just because they can tell a story doesn't mean they should.
2: I've seen a lot of that with some of the uh, the students that have taken the classes and are and are forced to to, to do these shows. Where I think to myself, "Oh, you, this is not for you."
1: <laughs> That's how I felt when I went to see. It was Jekyll and Hyde. And remember that guy from um, American Idol, Constantine. He played oh. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And Deborah Cox, remember Deborah Cox, who was like, how did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. That's Deborah Cox. She was in that show. And that was one of those times where I thought, you know, maybe everybody does have a story to tell, but maybe um, some people shouldn't.
2: Oh, I loved that show. Before the four-wheel accident, my wife and I are part of a group. And we went on a group out into New York where I saw Sebastian Bach of Skid Row do that show. So, love it.
0: What group is this? uh, Skid Row? Oh, sorry. I think I know that. The group that you and your wife were in. Oh,
2: (laughs) it's a Skid Row fan club. Skid Row fan club. uh, You know... We just love the music. And some people say we're a little too fuddy-duddy for Skid Row, but my wife and I are big fans.
0: Well, I don't think you're fuddy-duddy at all. One of you went four-wheeling and hasn't woke up since. I,
2: I mean, and that's all for the love of the game.
0: Right. Now, um, the two of you uh, uh, do not have children. We do And, right. And, and that's a choice that you all made. Is that right? That and the oak tree. Oh, Right. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, again, if this was me, everyone's different. If I was in a committed relationship with someone who I loved very much and we planned on having children, I went into a coma. If I come out of the coma and we have children, so be it.
2: You're making more sense all the time. This sounds better and better every time you mention it.
0: I would just assume she wants
1: you to be happy. I cannot disagree with this statement more. This is why this buddy, this is why the necrophilia thing is going to stick because you keep saying stuff like that. Not that she's dead. She's not. She's still very much alive. And We all believe she's going to wake up. But buddy.
0: All I'm going to say is if I went to a coma and my partner said, you know, we talked about having kids and here are our three children. You carried all of them. Didn't complain. And here we are. And he, we got a family. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, little uh, Pat, Pat Jr. You know, she's just like you waiting for mom to wake up. Here she is. So
1: this is so this is an interesting ethically dangerous concept.
0: I'm going to write it down on a piece of paper right now. If I ever get married, well, okay, I'm I can't have children. But if I was younger and I could write it on a piece of paper and say if I ever fall into a coma, you have permission to fool mm-hmm. around with me and then maybe we have children that way, that's fine. I'm asleep. What do I know? No,
2: we don't have drapes in the Florida room. So I would have to probably get that done first. But, you know, because our neighbors, we don't have privacy fences so our neighbors and they have children of their own. So I think we would have to get some drapes and blinds in the Florida room before I could even entertain an idea like that. But
1: and you but but you shouldn't entertain that idea.
0: At least you'd have to go and knock on their door and tell them I'm going to make Congress with my wife because we wanted a family. And a clock Mm. is ticking. Slower than normal. But yes,
2: I It would be it would be a warranted conversation to have with with your neighbors before you do it. I think letting them know that I'm about to spread my seed, I think, would be uh, is that
1: how you would say it?
2: I think, you know, trying to be as polite and as actory as I could, I would knock on their door and I would say, uh, hello, Andersons. Yes, uh, it's me, Dale. I'm about to spread my seed with my wife in the Florida room, so please don't let your kids play from 3 to 3.15 in the backyard.
1: You wouldn't even say make love? You would just say spread your seed?
2: I respect my wife too much to even speak in such ill tongues about our lovemaking.
0: I'd give her more time than that for her to get into it.
2: You think I should go longer than 15 minutes?
0: Yeah. I don't look. As a woman, I say even at a coma. I mean, I gotta ramp up. You know, you can't
1: yeah, Pat only loves penetration She's in it for penetration Skip the
2: foreplay Right to penetration
0: Yeah, but you're going to need to right. <laughs> You're going to need to tap around there A little bit first
2: Prime the pump As it were so,
1: I don't feel right about this. What's I that?
2: Talking about coitus with my comatose <laughs> wife?
1: Yeah. I don't feel right
2: about it. I do like Pat. You're right. Because so, you know, I, I want to make sure that she's happy. So I don't want to just, let's get it over with.
0: Like first, maybe get her something she really likes to eat. Now, is she on a tube or does she chew? It's a tube. <laughs> okay.
2: Right into her stomach.
0: So it's mostly a liquid-based diet. <laughs> All right. Well,
2: yeah, okay, that's. And she was allowed one insure a month, so I could maybe do that for.
0: Oh, do it on insure night, and then put on a favorite movie. What
1: is a favorite movie? How do we get out of this topic? What's a favorite movie?
2: Under Siege Two: Dark Territory, <laughs> and she loved that movie because it's a young Catherine Heigl before she had all those problems, you know. And when Steven Seagal, you ladies know he was a hunk, so she and she loves trains. She was a big train gal, so. It's got all the things she loves.
0: Yeah, correct that and sure. Put on under siege too. So we're going see back where- to it? <laughs>
2: I don't think we left. I don't think we left
0: it. I think we've been on it for the whole time. I'm just saying see where it goes. There, well, okay. There is no see where it goes. What? There is no see where it goes?
2: What if I what if I decide not what if I what if I chicken out the last minute?
1: You should. I think you should.
0: So That's weird. when you can go on a date. Because I I can understand you're all wound up now. Your wife isn't into it. But um, so you don't have kids. But yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> take us, please take us to, to uh, take us to out of this place. Take us to a happy place. Take us to your nieces and nephews. Are you an uncle?
2: Uh, no, but some of the guys at Animal Control bring their kids along for ride along. <laughs> so in that way, I'm Uncle Dale from Animal Control. You know, as one of the more senior guys, I, I ride with a lot of the rookies and they bring their kids along for ride along. So in that way, I feel like an uncle to the to the young boys and girls of animal control.
1: So do you think that if you're doing a ride along and mm-hmm. you have to destroy an animal, mm-hmm. which
0: by the way, we love animals on this podcast. Oh, you know?
2: love them. That's why I do it. You hate to see them suffering. So that's why I do it.
0: How can you tell that they're suffering?
2: Foaming at the mouth, they're... You know, baring their teeth, they're gnarling at you or, um, you know, it's it's got it's got a kid in its jaws.
0: Well, that's the it's child's fault, right? That's kind of the more of the you'd have to destroy the child. Well,
2: I'm I, my license doesn't that's above my pay grade. That is above my pay grade.
0: I don't think that animal's struggling or in pain. I think that animal's exactly where the animal wants to be. And I'm not advocating for animals dragging off children and and eating them. I'm just saying that. You know, th- we've made this an animal problem when it's really a child's problem. I mean, kids are the worst.
2: I'm going to say it. And I say that now. I didn't realize that till, how I felt about that till just now because we were talking about kids laughing at blowjobs and hand jobs and foot jobs. <laughs> Remember when we talked about foot jobs? So, I think that can really just distract you from what you're doing. And so I think distract you from your acting. And in terms, acting is my life. So by that math, kids would distract me from my wife, my life. So I don't think I'm, well, i will make courtes with my comatose wife. I'm enjoying thank my life God. the way it is.
1: Thank God. Thank God. Pat and Mag,
2: thank you so much for helping me come to that realization.
0: Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> it's not because I can't. That's right. And it's not because it would be wrong. All right. We'll, well, I'll figure this out in the editing. Um, So, you know, I respect the fact that a lot of people, a lot of people like us who don't have children, but we're made to feel like, oh, don't you feel bad? Don't you, you wish that you had your own kids? You know, the reality is I could have had a, my own kid a, mini, a million times, but I, you know, all the technology worked, so it didn't. And I, I don't, and I, we don't, all have to like children. You know, as as uh Mags and I are aunts, you know, I love my nieces and my nephews. Mm-hmm. But you know, another niece and nephew wanders in. I don't know them, and they could be awful. And I just wanna I, all I wanna say is I hear you, and for anyone listening to this who also hates children and was looking for an episode like this, welcome.
2: And if you hate kids, bring them to the George Popovich Community College Theater for uh we're gonna do, we're gonna remount. Uh, Christopher Robin and the Hundred Acre Wood, so that will be starting as soon as we are allowed back in the building.
1: So now that's something you're saying. If people hate kids, bring them to that.
2: Well, bring them, and uh, you you can give them the gift of theater because maybe they'll they'll watch that and then they'll straighten up and they'll fly right and you know not be such a pain in the ass.
1: Now, see, I I, I guess, boy, I feel like. I'm just uh, a contrarian today because I love kids and I don't think it's okay if your wife is.
2: It, it's okay that she's in a coma. That's okay. I've come to. Yeah, that's
0: that. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'd like to clear this up because the look on Meg's face, I feel like I put her right back in 2020. Okay. I'm going to say in a very specific way, if you are someone you're with a partner, you love them. You're making plans. You're thinking maybe one day we'll have kids. Let this episode be a warning. If you think if I slip into a coma and I miss my window to have children and I want to avoid that, I leave a note.
1: There's got to be clear consent. It's got to be like a living will that should be executed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's got to be something like that because the same conversation you have about, you know, life sustaining measures and things like that. I think then we should also include that, uh, a clause, you know, that's like, hey, you have my permission.
0: Yeah, it's very personal. So I'd say, you know, you have to make that choice for yourself. And if you heard this and you thought, oh, good, I, my wife's in a coma and I've kept my paws off for the last four or 40 years. This isn't an excuse to go jamming at her unless she left a note.
2: I think what I'm going to do, this is great. I'm, the next skid row meeting that we have and then the next roll call at animal control, I'm going to bring this up. Because they all know my wife's in a coma. They all know that Rhonda Van Dorp is in a coma, and I'm going to bring this up. And uh, I think this is this is a valuable piece of information that everyone should know.
0: Yeah, and 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 for 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 Mag's um, peace of mind, could you maybe just go into a little bit of like, yes, the children who you know were harassing you on stage and all that. Mm-hmm. Where do you think a lot of your um, you don't like children? Could you go into that just a little bit? And I think it'll help us to understand it a little bit better.
2: I think yeah. a bad relationship with my father and the love and attention that was given to my older brother is probably a good lighthouse
1: okay yeah so you've got some this baggage you know you know if I may quote rent and I think I may because this is the this is the episode you know you know when uh when uh, Mimi is saying to oh Raja when she says mm-hmm. life's too short babe and time mm-hmm. is flying. I'm looking for baggage that goes with mine. You know, it's like, you, it's not that you need to um, forget that you have this history. It's that you have to find somebody who's got a matching set with you, you know?
0: Yeah. Well said.
1: Thank you, Jonathan Lawson, for that.
0: He did that and the Far Side?
1: No, that's Gary Lawson, I think. I
2: believe it's Gary Larson. Jim Davis did Garfield, and I think Gary Lawson did the Far Side.
1: And uh, who's the um who's the maniac that did uh, the office one with the dumb tie? Dilbert? Yeah, who what asshole did that?
0: I don't know. Is it the same guy who did Ziggy but just Ziggy lost weight? No, you know,
1: I feel like, no, it's, I I wish I could remember that person's stage. I think I'd
0: like to play
2: Ziggy. Ziggy. Oh, you would be a great Ziggy. I think we should get a mounted stage production of Ziggy.
0: Now, Ziggy only wears pants, right?
2: Ziggy uh, exclusively wears pants, I believe.
1: Do you guys remember when, for Halloween one year, the cast of the Today Show dressed up as the Peanuts characters, but it was like live action?
2: I don't, but I wish I would have seen that.
1: Um, Please take out your device and Google it right now. And if you think for one second that this stage production of Ziggy wouldn't look exactly like this, you're wrong. This is one of those things where if you're listening and you're following along at home, press pause. Text your niece to go on Yahoo and Google what this looks like. (laughs) Today Show cast Peanuts Halloween. I'm going to wait.
2: Well... I, there is no God.
1: Did you find I,
2: it? I did. Al Roker is Charlie Brown.
1: Wait till you I, see Lawa. Wait till you see that maniac.
2: Oh no, he's Lucy.
1: Oh no. This was the stuff of nightmares and you,
0: Pat, have you seen it? I haven't. I, I haven't seen it and, and I will. <clears throat> I'll take a look at it. But um, just when you said Mel Lauer, I, it makes me feel unwell. It makes me feel like I've got hot spit in my mouth and I can't swallow it.
1: Yeah.
2: All of these people look like kids who are hurt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's damage. It looks like damage has been done.
0: Ugh, I still don't have my damages DVDs.
1: Carolyn didn't give them to you yet? That was, uh, you don't know this, Dale, but for Christmas... She got, Pat got a bunch of coupons from the kids, like a car wash and a Uh massage, you know, and she got one from a sister that said, I'll return your damages DVDs, but she didn't just return the DVDs.
0: And I noticed that it's already expired. She made it for the first. You put a date on it? Yeah, I looked at it because I called her and I said, all right, I'd like to redeem this coupon, please. She didn't call me back. And then there's all this fine print on there and it turns out it's expired. So I got to see if I can get another one. Why not just buy a new set? It's okay, Dale.
1: No, yeah, it's a principle.
0: I mean, honestly, you know, Dale, I appreciate. You know what? You know what that is? You're a practical person. For someone being in the arts, you've said a lot of practical things, and that's right. I could just get more damages DVDs, but it is the principle of the thing because those are mine. And I actually, it was right around the time I got those when I got a label maker, and there's a label on every DVD with my name on it.
2: You know, I if I have the slightest bit of dust on a DVD, it won't work in my in my machine. So that I'm that's amazing that you have a DVD player that'll play those with giant
0: labels on. Oh, they don't. They don't work.
1: My father had that uh, label maker, you know, so his tool drawers were, were labeled uh, with that, like white pop-out lettering on the on the pink, uh, not pink, but, uh, red or blue uh, label. And I've often thought about getting a tattoo of his initials, but made to look like one of those little label makers.
2: We got a call one time at Animal Control. Uh, a guy in town was uh, illegally trafficking penguins, and we had to go in there and we, we had to put them all down. We had to destroy all the penguins on site. But what I did notice was that he, added, he had a label above the cage that said penguins. How about that? 300 penguins in a dog kennel. And it said penguins on top of it.
1: Why did you
0: have to put the penguins
2: down? Oh, they were, Mags, they were so sick. So With sick.
0: what? Were they just warm? It was,
2: well, he kept that room one hundred and four degrees at all times. So you know when there's three hundred penguins in a dog kennel, you don't really have much of an option but to just set that thing on fire and forget that you went to that call. It's the only way to get rid of the penguin. It really is lawless for you. I'm telling you, it's the wild west.
0: Any kids with you that day, please? Yep. God.
2: Yep. One guy brought his twins on a ride along. Uh, his name was his name was Kyle. He brought his twins, little Samantha and little little Bill.
1: Samantha and, and Bill. Yep. That's the kid's name. Bill. Yep,
2: Kyle, yeah. Bill. And he showed me the birth certificate. It wasn't William. It was Bill.
1: Wow. Not even Billy. Bill.
2: Nope, Bill. Uh, yeah. That was our first call. And then I, we had to be with them the rest of the day.
1: What all the things do, what, what all did you see that day for the rest of it?
2: mostly it was just a, a like a little raccoon in garbage cans and stuff but after that penguin fire thing the all the other calls were pretty pretty mild in comparison
0: yeah i feel like that would be like um oof. yeah but you know what mags again i i feel like this is important cuz i know you're going to a bad place in your head think of it this way no one ever said penguins were extinct yeah
1: but if you keep setting them on fire they, they they're not there's not a,
0: an overabundance of penguins that we don't know. Do we know that, Dale? Do we know if there's too many of them?
2: We don't know that. Science hasn't been able to come up with those numbers yet, so we don't know how. We don't technically don't know how many penguins there are on the planet,
0: right? So to
1: just wipe out 300, because of them.
2: that was part of the call. Like when that happened, I had to radio my 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 captain and say like, "Hey, we got to put these things down. How many are left?" And he was like, "We don't know. It's a pretty safe bet that this isn't going to infect impact it too much." So match gasoline done
1: there's there's no world in which you just took the penguins to a zoo nope
0: oh wow that makes me feel so much better like to hear it from you know Megs. this is what dale does you know i'm not i'm also not going to tell him say the words on the page like this because that's your job or your hobby or your jobby
2: i feel like Animal control, much like the theater, is it's all about improvisation. It's all about it's all about discovering the moment and figuring out who you are in that particular moment. And you make choices based off that.
1: We did have a group on uh, for an improv class and and Pat took uh, an on camera class where they uh, went around the room and uh, assessed, you know, And her thing was, um, has had more sex than you think, you know? So, like, we've already done some of the legwork. I feel confident that I could be... I I apologize, because
2: I've done some of these workshops. Were you telling them that, Pat, or were they all looking at you and saying, like, she's probably had more sex than we think?
0: They were guessing at me. Mm -hmm. And no one had any numbers or anything. But at first, I said before, at first I felt good, because I was like, yeah, you're right. And then I thought about it more and it made me very melancholy.
2: Welcome to the theater.
0: Oh, wow.
2: You are now an actor.
0: Oh, it is a lot of just feeling, right? Feeling things.
2: That's that's 90% of it, Pat. Wow. 10% of the other 10 is just figuring out a way to sit down.
1: Or lean, right? You could lean too. Oh, you could lean, yes,
2: yeah. Okay. Well, if okay. you're you able to produce a set that has somewhere to lean, yes,
1: absolutely. You know, it's like that one song. My niece got me hooked on that song. The one that's like, where, except she says, you know, she says, "Blow a kiss, fire a gun," which I, you know, I don't like that. But it is all you need is somebody to lean on. You know. Mm-hmm. She says it so that you can't really understand what she's saying.
2: Is she is she doing that on purpose or is she? But she's
1: like, blow a kiss. Fire a gun! Oh, you need somebody lean on.
0: It's like every song I've heard in the past six years. I'll put together. Don't get me started. Right? Oh, I gotta say, um, I was very intimidated. I can't necessarily speak for Mags, but when we saw you at the Q and A, and then we became friendly with you and Mm -hmm. and friends, you know, I was intimidated by you for a very long time because I thought here's Mm -hmm. a guy spends all his day destroying animals and hunting and hunting them down and, and killing them. And then has all the energy to do this other thing that no one really wants that much, because, you know, no, people don't go to these plays. You want it more than anybody else does. And I thought the, the bright light of this man, you know, it was really overwhelming and I'll say, I'm still very impressed by you, but I'm so glad that we've become good friends.
2: As am I. And thank you. You know, I, I'm not a hero. I just, I, I just love what I do. And life is short. If I've learned anything from uh, the fine folks who make Yamaha four-wheelers, life is short. So take it while you can get it and live every drop.
1: And that's why you get back on the four-wheeler. That's why you get back short. I don't know that that's the advice I would give. I just was kind of reiterating, you know, what you, but listen, we, uh, I mean, there was a reason that the only question we asked was how dare you be this good? You know, there, there, that was the only question we could think of. We thought, we were like, what should we ask? We were whispering. You probably heard us. We were whispering like the a whole pair lot of did. squirrels. Yeah, we don't whisper well. You know, but, you know, it, it was just, that's all you could say is, how dare somebody be this good? It was oh. like if, um, what's that one guy, Pat? Oh, Columbo. Yeah, if Columbo was Christopher Robin. Pat, do it. Uh, excuse me. Uh, what about It was like that. It was like if if Peter Fella was fella, fella.
0: No, I said Columbo, Peter Faulkner, Columbo,
1: Columbo. Oh, Columbo.
2: I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, in terms of why am I so good? I don't, I, I, it's just something inside of me that I hope I get to share with you and with everyone. And I'll tell you this, Pat, when everybody was backstage, between the first and second act, all saying, like, who were those ladies? They're so loud. They're talking. Let's kick them out. I can't believe this. My parents are here. They're recording this. I said, let them stay. They paid their ticket like everyone else let them stay because I could feel that something was good coming on the horizon.
1: Yeah, I know. It pains me to say this a little bit. We didn't pay for tickets, but I we snuck in. But, but we didn't do it on purpose. We were trying to find the right door. Mm-hmm. So we walked around the whole building and we knocked and then some kid let us in. And then we just were like, well, I guess this is it. So we didn't actually pay for tickets, but boy, oh boy, did we get our money's worth.
2: You know, gals, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what were you doing on a community college campus, if not to see the
0: theater? I was getting my work done on my teeth.
1: And I was the getting a massage, school. you know? If, yeah. So mm-hmm. if you go, if you go to the students, it's so much cheaper. So I went to yeah. the massage school while she got some work done. And then we went on a little walkabout.
0: Turns out they weren't, um, they didn't have enough years in school yet to fix what I had. So Meg's got a massage and my, my tooth. And that, that tooth just fell out, which was nice because I was like good riddance. I remember that day it
1: happened. We were having a corned beef sandwich. It
0: just came right out. I was like, Oh God, they ground up. Some Someone got hoof in my sandwich and it was my own tooth.
2: Well, I'm so glad for your dental mishaps and woes and mags. I'm so happy that you got the massage because look where it led us. It led us right here. And I, I feel like this is a friendship for the ages.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's it. That's the thing, right? It's like my attitude toward our friendship is the same as my attitude toward being an aunt, which is I'm so grateful, you know, mm-hmm. you just you, sometimes you put on a path. And Mm -hmm. you accept it and you move through it with grace and dignity and shorts. And you just, you move from role to role and you, you know, you, you bob and weave and. Absolutely. Yeah. And you just, you've made our life richer. You've made us deeper, Mm -hmm. more meaningful, more emotional people. Mm -hmm. And we are so thankful for that. So that's my, I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: Well, it's been a it's been a real treat, and uh, I know you've got to run off and um you know reduce the population. So um, we'll go ahead and we'll do our mantra for this week. Is it? I think it's, I think it's Meg's turn to say the mantra. Yeah, Yeah, I think
1: it is. And and boy oh boy, if this doesn't speak to what we just spent, what felt like six hours talking about, this is always a Carol Doyle staple. Well, did you guys know you could be a supporter of this podcast? You could be a a paid supporter of this podcast, and you just go to Anchor um, and figure out how to do that. And uh, one of our supporters is Carol Doyle. So not only does she monthly support us, but she also supports us with this brilliant, you know, bit of writing that she submits every week. So thank you to Carol Doyle, as always, for being just amazing. So here it is. Here's this week's Mantra. As long as you are alive like a heat seeking missile your aunt will find you and if that's not the god's honest truth it's like I'm Liam Neeson and somebody's mm-hmm. been kidnapped i'm going to find you i never saw any mm-hmm. of those movies does he find the people i don't know
2: oh, i think in the first one he does i'm not sure about the other two
0: um, All right. Oh, there's three there's three at, that, at what point though keep an eye on him He's a bad honestly product. honestly he'd be better off if she was in a coma well, thanks so much again, Dale.
2: Thank I'm you busy. for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it, I, of course, anytime. We'd love updates when you're doing a new show and you want to plug it or whatever. Or Come back. you killed something very easily, a handily or whatever. Um, and I just want to say, as always, I, I love you, Megs.
1: I love you, Pat. Love you, Dale.
0: Love, love you, Dale. I love uh, you. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to Those Who Ant, a baby maker's podcast. Uncle Dale was played by the absolutely glorious Adam Peacock. Adam is an actor and a podcaster, and he hosts the amazingly funny podcast, My Neighbors Are Dead. I mean, the title alone. You can find that podcast anywhere you find podcasts, and you can find Adam at Adam Peacock 13 on Twitter. Okay. Now, thank you for listening. Wear your mask, stay safe, rate, subscribe, review, whatever you want to do with this podcast. We love you so much. And don't forget to call your aunt's.